Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. everyone it's so nice to be in God's presence honestly it's been um, I had a good time worshiping um, thank you Dr. Ajayi for inviting me I mean it's like coming home because I know so many people here um, it's um, you've asked me to present child health you want to come up pediatric disorders come on childhood disorders but Tonight, as much as possible, I want to talk about um, our kids' health, and um, I want it to be interactive, so I'm going to give you a lot of time to, have, you know, to ask questions. Um, just a little bit more about myself, what I do. I, I work both at the hospital, uh, the general hospital and the Pascal hospital. I work at the emergency department, the pediatric ward, I also, like uh, Dr. Ajayi said, I also work uh, at my community clinic. I also do a lot of medical education. So like medical students, uh, pediatric residents, family medicine, and I'm also quite involved in my departmental um, teaching. So, um, I look after kids from when they are born, like basically from mother baby units, if some of you have been admitted there, like when the baby is born, till 18 years of age. Basically providing emergency care, providing health care, um, preventive health care for kids and detecting early disorders, you know, instead of waiting till it's quite, um, when it's too late. So because of that, I'm gonna talk a lot about preventive health, um, which is your nutrition, exercise, and sleep. I'll mention some common childhood disorders and how you'll be able to navigate the health system. I'm hoping that at the end of the day, you have helpful tips for your kids, um, things that will uh, help you in the future when, if your child is sick or if you need any help from the health system. So um, what does organization actually define health? Like, you know, that child has, is, is a state of physical, mental, intellectual, and social well-being. It's not just the absence of disease. Because some people, oh, my child is well. Is your child well? Is your child emotionally well? Is your child uh, intellectually well? Mental, you know. And they've actually, some people have actually added spiritual health. Spiritual health is important, I'll tell you, it's the root of everything. Um, healthy kids live in families, environments, and communities that provide them with the opportunity to reach their maximum potential. What we want for our kids is to reach their maximum potential. And I want to tell you today that also I'm a pediatrician, but I'm first of all a Christian, and I've got two kids. So I've raised kids, I've got 20 years and 16 years. So I'm not um, coming from I'm a pediatrician, I'm coming from, I'm a, I'm a Christian mom, that's a pediatrician. So, um, other thing that um, I would like you to know is that 
all these wonderful children of ours, they have a right to good health and nutrition. They need a stable environment, and we are the only ones that can provide that stable environment. The best thing we can do as a society is to invest in these kids because we know that they're the leaders for tomorrow. So early access to healthcare is very important. Thank God we are in Canada. I mean, like you have that access. So, you, but it's not enough to have the access. You need to know how to navigate the system, how to get, you know, how to take advantage of it. So I'm going to be talking about nutrition. So every, that's important. Everybody, we need to eat. But it's not just eating. Our kids need good nutrition, but not just for them to eat. We need to eat good food. And the most important years in a child's life is the first five years of, them, like of their lives. That's when they're growing exponentially. So it's good for their brain growth and development. And so what happens if you don't eat healthy? So we, there are a lot of disease disorders out there, obesity, heart conditions, sometimes you have dental caries. It's so common that in the clinic I, I have kids going to they're going for dental surgery under anesthesia just because of what? Because, you know, they don't take care of their, first of all, they don't take care of their teeth. Secondly, because of the food they eat. So let's start these children as young as possible, making sure we uh, emphasize healthy nutrition. So I'm going to go back to the beginning. Breastfeeding, we all know that is the best food. So starting from where you're child is born, breastfeeding is the best food because it offers a lot of um, nutrients. It's uh, good, it's very, uh, it protects you against all forms of illnesses and allergies. It's also good for the mother, but I know sometimes, for one reason or the other, you can't breastfeed your, dad, your child. So I mean, don't get, don't feel so guilty and say, oh, if I don't breastfeed, no. For one reason or the other, you, you may not be able to do that. If you are going to do formula feeding, remember that iron fortified formula are the best one for breastfeeding. Most of formulas out there may be similar or anything. Most of them are iron fortified. A caution, sometimes when you want to warm your food, um, do not put that food in the, uh, that formula in the microwave. If you express your milk, do not put it in the microwave. It's because you're going to denature the protein. So the best thing is make sure you put it, you know, put it in the warm water and warm it that way. So we're talking about infants. So from zero to six months, most of your you know, food comes from breastfeed, breast milk or formula. After that, then you introduce solid food. Uh, I know before we used to introduce some, some solid food, maybe around three months, but now what the organization is saying, six months is better. Um, why? Uh, it's better because first of all, your child is ready for solid food at that time. So three things for you to watch out for. So if the child is sitting up and ready, sitting up by him or herself, or you put the food inside the child's mouth, and he or she's not spitting it out. And around, it might be just before six months, then that child is ready for solid food. And we say introducing solid food, you start with something mashed, you know, poo. you're not gonna give them like carrots, something they can choke on, no. Um, most importantly, uh, healthy food is important. Don't say because um, you don't necessarily have to buy those 
jars in the supermarket. You can make your own food. We can make our own food. Just make sure at the beginning it's porridge. And hair, introducing one food at a time is important. You can start with hair yolk, no matter, in all these allergenic food. Before, we used to say delay all those food, but studies have shown that when you delay some of those food, it actually leads to allergies. So be free, feel free, like we used to do back at home, we introduce all this food early. Feel free to do that early. And from six to 12 months, so you introduce those food, and by the time they are like a year old, they're ready to eat like everyone. They can eat whatever we're eating. Like from six months, I my child will eat amala, and it will do make sure that I have a lot of protein inside the fish, you know, you can you know, make sure they have protein, they have everything in it. You can introduce them. Our food to is healthy, is what you give them that matter. Um, don't start giving juice. Water is <laughs> very good. Even by after 12 months, use a sippy cup. Don't, using a feeding bottle after 12 months will cause to decay. So from 12 months, just use a sippy cup to, to, for that child to drink. So those are F tips that I thought might be important for us today. Uh, for older kids, this is our Canadian food guide, the latest one. So it talks about having plenty, a lot of vegetables and fruits. We've got one, like a lot of many vegetables, uh, spinach, you know, name it. Just you don't necessarily have to eat what's on this table. Like just make sure that you substitute whatever you are eating at home. It's better for you to give your child what you eat at home because that's, it's easier for that child to continue. So just saying that instead of filling that plate with a lot of rice, <laughs> make sure that you, know, you leave room, leave room for some vegetables and fruits, a quarter for you know, beets, fish, meat, whatever. And then um, the other one, uh, another quarter for rice, uh, jollof rice, what? So this is, this, these are the good thing um, that we should uh, give our kids. If you want them, their brain to grow, we want them, we want them to go healthy. We don't want to wait till they're sick and saying maybe we should have done something. Preventive medicine is actually better than waiting for when they're sick. Um, another thing I want to mention is water. It's the best thing that God has created. Let us drink water, both for our kids and for ourselves. If you are thirsty, water is better. Like it's it's uh, very cheap to get cold, Fanta, all those things. They're just empty calories. So limiting those things, even juice. Like I recommend another you know, 250 mils uh, box juice a day if you have to. I know sometimes they go to school and you, you want to put make a lunch box. That 250 mils a day is more than enough. Otherwise, um, water, milk. If you're giving milk after a year old, 500 mils is enough. Too much milk we can lead to iron deficiency anemia. I've seen kids with very pale hemoglobin of like 40. Why? Because they drink, they just drink like one liter, two liters a day. Because what, the, what that does is that it actually impairs your iron absorption. So um, anything you're giving, just make sure it's in. Uh, you make sure it's not too much. And then limiting all the pastries, donuts, a lot of things. I'll say meat pie is good, but too much of everything is not good. So that's a little bit on, on your food. I'm going to move on to being physically active. That's another thing. 
it's, you know, physical activity is very important for our kids. Um, it's important for all of us, actually. Uh, it helps to control your weight. It strengthens your bones and muscles. It helps your heart to, it helps your mental health and mood. For the kids, they need it. So it reduces the risk of many life-threatening disorders. Um, so like you said that, you know, your heart becomes strong, it beats faster when you're active. And there are various ways our kids can be active. So one of the easiest ways, make sure like at school, join, why don't join basketball, join soccer at school. Like if there's anything happening, encourage them to join because that's in a way is free. And you know, or sometimes if you, you know, if you have the money, just choose one activity per child because sometimes, I'm not like, you know, you're, you have like four activities and you're jumping from one place to another. Just like, okay, what do you like? Which one do you want to do? Soccer, okay. Oh, this term, basketball. Because too much of it is sometimes it's very, <laughs> can, can be um, very overwhelming for parents, but it's good for them. Um, it's good for your muscles. Uh, you know, it, it makes them get stronger and they're able to do, Okay, sorry, there's something here. Mm, okay. So overall, talking about all the eating and being active, it's lower the risk of diseases. It gives you all the, give our kids all the body weight. It makes them feel better. It um, makes your mood, gives them a good mental health. So let's uh, remember to uh, just encourage good health. Another thing I want to talk about is sleep. Because when people are talking about healthy living, they talk about mm, eating and exercise. Three things, sleep. Sleep is very important. For our kids, it's very important for us as well. Um, because it's when you sleep that you know, all those hormones um, work and then your brain is reset the next morning, you're ready to jump and start doing things. I mean, for me, when I'm post-call, I'm very grouchy, I can't think straight. So you can imagine our kids. Um, so getting enough is not just sleeping, quality sleep. Like I said, when you don't sleep, you are irritable. You, you can't think straight. So they go to school like, oh, what? Uh, oh, and they say, oh, I think he's got some inattention. I think he's got some, you know, ADHD. Send them to Dr. Shotomi. No. Do you? You're like making sure your child's sleep, have all this sleep is important. And um, it's actually been linked to obesity. Some people feel, oh, I'm trying to lose weight, I can't. Hmm. If you don't sleep well, it can actually lead to, there's some hormones that she could have actually leads to you being obese. So um, good sleep is good for your child's physical and mental well-being. How do you get good sleep? Having a bottom routine is one important way to get good sleep. So as much as possible, uh, you know, making sure that, oh, maybe around 8 p.m., this is what I do. Um, you brush your teeth or you read all this, and by 8.30, you know, you are asleep. If you have that same thing every day, it's very good. And then curating a sleep-friendly bedroom where it's quiet, it doesn't have all the, you know, it's not cluttered with so many things. Um, it's quiet, they know that the bedroom is just for the bedroom. It's not like they have all the iPad. I've got some of my patients, they have, say, oh, my, my child can't sleep, why? Because he's on his iPhone till 10, 11 p.m. Say, well, you are the parent. You, you know, 
you take the iPhone from them. I mean, like, this, this is not, and I tell them, I practice this, it's doable. Like my 16 year old, he still brings his phone, like 10, nine, nine, he brings it to my room and he takes it in the next morning. You have to, this is important for their future. They might not like it, but this is what you can do. And later in the future, they'll be grateful. So um, once they're in bed, they can, some of them, you can you know, read, you know, just read a little bit or listen to some relaxing music or, you know, relaxing gospel music, or you guys can read stories together. Um, so a caution, sometimes uh, they're hungry, like, oh, I don't want to sleep. You can't give them pine They're not going to sleep. It takes like four or five hours for that to digest. So even if they, you need to give them something, you can give them you know, very, uh, just give them something, a light snack. Okay, so someone will ask me, how many hours am I supposed to sleep a day? So it depends, I can't say, so it depends on the age. The younger you are, the more sleep you need. So a newborn baby, so like last week I was uh, mother baby unit, all those babies, the only thing they do is eat, sleep, poop and sleep, eat, sleep. So they sleep for like 20 or 22 hours a day, so that's normal. Very normal. The only reason I'll be worried, I tell them, the reason you should be worried if you, are, if you have a new baby is if you're, it's time for a baby to, to eat and the baby is not waking up, then I'll be worried. Otherwise, they sleep to them. So, uh, four to 12 months, you know, you need at least 12 to 16 hours. And as you go down, you can see um, 13 by the time they're adolescent, at least everybody needs, they need eight to 10 hours. So the minimum your teenager needs is eight hours, because many times teenagers like to go to bed around 12 midnight. And they, you know, they need to go to bed, they need to wake up like 6.37. The next morning, you wonder why they're not performing well at school. So it's important that they get good quality hours. Um, a word on screen time, that's it. It's, Everybody's tablets, smartphone, TV, electronic gadgets, like, you know, they come to the clinic, so how many hours? Uh, many, many are on the screen for like 13 hours a day. Well, for you to sleep well, at least one hour before bedtime, please ensure your child um, in terms of whether it's TV, whether it's phone or anything like that. It's actually recommended that you don't get more than two hours a day of screen time. And I know they use screen to do homework and like, oh, I'm doing my own work and there's somewhere, you know, you can't. But there's actually uh, a new a disorder that's called gaming disorder. World Health Organization has actually, uh, I think a year or two years ago, has made it a mental health disorder. Can you imagine that? Gaming, because it's, people are addicted to these things. They can't, um, there was a report of a child that actually died because he or she was like uh, inside the room just playing games, didn't want to go and eat and you know, and before you know, there's something in the brain that makes you addicted to all these things. So if you want to check it out, I've left that reference there. You may want to check what is happening, but this is a serious matter. And the earlier you, you get hold of it and see it as um, a mental health uh, disorder, the better. So this is just questions for you to think about while I continue this presentation. How many hours of sleep does your child have? 
why do you think your child, well, you know, why does this skip or well or doesn't skip well? Is your child having skip apnea where the child is snoring all day but not necessarily having a quality sleep? Do you need to seek medical attention? Look at that. And when the child wakes up, is the child feeling energetic? I know most kids don't want to get up, but later on when they're up, they're up. Yeah. So are they complaining of headache? Are they really... Uh, is, your t is the teacher complaining that, oh, he sleeps off during the day? No. So all those things, uh, do you have some bedtime routines? Just think about that and see what you can do. Okay, so the next thing I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna talk about development, so surveillance. Like I said that, I'm talking about preventive, what we can do, not waiting until we get that disorder before we start acting. Um, so I think surveillance is very important from when the child is born. It's better to uh, be checking things. It's like, um, I think, okay, somebody, like an analogy is like if you have a car, we all take our car for services. We don't wait for it to break down before we take it. So the same thing for all of us, kids and adults-wise, we should, you know, go for a regular checkup so that, you know, Early detection is better and we can easily correct things than when it's too late. Um, so I'm tempted to say this. Somebody was, uh, another doctor was talking to me today and it's funny, I don't know whether this person is a Christian, he said, a patient was upset with her that you should, you're the doctor, you should know everything. Why? I said, well, if I take my car to the mechanic, the mechanic knows everything. So she asked, who made the car? Say a man, yeah, the man can't do it. But who made men? God, I'm not God. So I thought that was, that was a good one. I said, oh, that was a good one. So anyway, um, so anyway, seeing your GP regularly is important. So when a child is born, you see them, my mother, baby, you need a well child, nothing as okay. You don't need to see your pediatrician, but you need to see your general pediatrician at two weeks of age. Just to be sure everything is good. Monitor the weight, make sure there's nothing. If there's any reason to be concerned, they refer to specialists. So then two months, there's four months checkup, six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, and after that, every year. The reason is to monitor growth and development. Because if they do that, if there's any reason, they can catch it up early. Um, so there's a poor weight gain. So you can get a nutritionist referral, or you think, oh, this child is growing, um, the weight is too much, and then your doctor can um, tell you what to do. So another thing is the development. So things like, oh, okay, I expect that by six months you're sitting up. I expect by nine months you're crawling. If you're not crawling, I'm like, oh, okay, I want to see you again. And by 12 months, you're still not doing anything. So. Usually, I don't get worried until after 18 months, you've, a child has not started working. At that stage, you, you know, do some blood tests and do some referral. Um, speech is another important thing. Speech, like, you know, um, by one year, is it saying mama, dada? Is it calling you dada? Or is it just saying, and, you know, how many words is it saying by two years? And it's not just the words. Is it, um, is it saying those things to you? And so social interactions, is he, is he interacting with his peers? You know, a um, lot of things about autism. If there's anything, that's the time to actually intervene and make the referral. 
So, but that child, if, if you're waiting for your child to have those symptoms before you make the referral, this, of course, we all know there's a long waiting list for every, everything here, uh, especially Saskatchewan. So other things like dental check, every six months, I know that for dental care, is not covered by the government, but it's a worthwhile. It's better to use that money to do the dental check than to use that money to, uh, for that child to like maybe do a dental surgery. First of all, being under anesthesia has its risk. And then some other things, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be the same thing. Checking your child's highs every year is actually important. So it's covered. I want to tell you, it's covered by your health card. Um, I've had kids refer to me uh, because they felt that child has some behavioral disorder and just sending them for eye check was what they needed. So, oh, you needed glasses. And now it's doing fine, it's doing better. Of course, if you don't see well, you can't you know, do well at school. So uh, that's important. So checking your, uh, checking, doing the eye check annually, even though you checked it last year, it's fine check it again. Every year until, I think until 18 years is covered. So um, if you've not done so, that's one thing you can, you can do. So let's go back to our definition of child aid again. We talk about physical, mental, intellectual, and social, and emotional well-being. It's not just absence of, oh, it does not have a fever, it does not have this. So, um, that's why I'm going to talk about other things. Um, I like this thing because you talked about this is your child. Uh, there's a physical development, there's a language development. And I like the part that you put about spiritual development. And I'm so glad, like when I came today, I went downstairs, they said, you know, these kids are learning memory verses. That's the best that, that can happen to them because as they go out there, they're going to be faced with all sort of challenges. And those are the things that we help them, like, you know, um, I'm an advocate for that. Like I will, um, you know, tell my kids that, you know, this are what scripture are you standing on for this, for that, because it's going to help them. We are in a very queer world where they get exposed to all sort of things. So we need to equip our kids, you know, with uh, things for their emotion and mental health. So I'm going to talk about mental health. Taking care of our mental health is important. It's, it's as important as like eating healthy and you know, exercise. Uh, there's so many reasons a child will present and it's like, abdominal pain, you, they've done all the tests, CT scan, everything, nothing. It's mental health, you know? So kids, the way they, they are just peculiar people because, yeah, this is peculiar church. It's just, it, 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 they're just peculiar people. Like the way they, um, they present with sometimes when they have things going on in their mind. And like, no, I've got this headache, I've got tummy pain, and, and you know, carefully is that in, is their mental health. And sometimes you have like long-standing abdominal pain, long-standing headache, long-standing that, and some other things. So we need to make our kids feel good about themselves. Um, parents, what we say to your, your child is important, not just in church, like at home. Before they go to school, let them feel like, my goodness, that the best thing that happened to you. Let them feel like they can do everything. Like, you know, tell them this is, this is, 
when everybody is like against you, this is the place to come. Like, you know, um, till now, the way I greet my kids is, may the Lord bless you, and they know they'll say, and make his face shine upon you, since when they were small. I got at 20. If I, if I call her today, if I say that, she knows it. Because I feel that when everything is going against them, those are the things that will be ringing in their head. So let us say that you've got a sound mind. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Don't worry. God is for you, even when everybody is against you. Those things are important. Don't, you know, it's good to pray for them, but, you know, prophesying on their life, prophesying to them is important. It's hope their mental health. That's one thing we have, um, you know, in terms of the advantage we have compared to people that don't know God. I say that, like, I'm a doctor, I'm so busy. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed. I say, what will I do if I'm not a Christian, if, I'm, if I don't know God? Because those are the things that keep me when I'm like, I think I can do this again, but there's that inner strength that keep me going. So mental health, <laughs> especially in this part of the world where like not everybody's helping us to train our kids. I think we're used back home, everybody's helping, no. It's, uh, you've got to do it yourself. Creating a safe and positive environment at home is important. You want your child to go home, go out and want to come back home and say, wow, I don't care. Even if anybody's bullying me, I just need to get home. So um, in saying that, it does not mean that people that have mental health disorders, kids that have mental health disorders do not have a supportive home. For one reason or the other, there's some biochemical changes that can happen in the brain that you could still have anxiety, you could still have things like depression, you could still have ADHD, autism, and I know we don't like to hear that. Hmm. We are not used to, um, I reject it in Jesus' name. It's fine, and you know, it's good to pray about something, but at the same time, it's good for us to be, be realistic. If your child's teacher keeps saying, I think you need to see a specialist, I think, Fine, check it out. It's fine, it's not, you know, check it out. You've got resources. Check it out and, you know, you, you're in, in a resource-rich, you know, environment. Make advantage of it. Because sometimes some kids have learning disorder and disability and this prevents them from reaching their maximum potential. It makes them rebel. Like, so what's the point going to school when I have, I mean, I have another child that is flying and it's not their fault. Maybe that's the way their brain are formed. So um, don't let's ignore mental health. Our kids' mental health is very important. Another thing I want to talk about is vaccination, immunization, whatever. So um, we all know that routine immunizations in kids, even adults, have saved more lives than any other health intervention. So, uh, it protects against many dangerous diseases like measles, polio, meningitis, name it. Um, so taking it seriously is important. Um, I know sometimes we move from one place to another, um, maybe from Nigeria or maybe even from another country, and they've started the immunization over there. Just uh, when you come in, it's good for you. Call the public health so that they can, if there's any other immunization they need to. So usually they will look at what you've done and then they will um, fill in the gap. Uh, but basically what we do here, immunization start at two months of age. Before two months, there's no routine immunization, except if a baby is born in the hospital, they think there are issues, 
we do some immunization. So I will leave that out of here. This is the Saskatchewan childhood immunization schedule. Start at two months. So you have two, four, six months. The next one is at 12 months, 18 months. And before your child uh, starts kindergarten at four years of age. Then after that, you're done until grade six and grade eight. Um, six months and to 17 years. I didn't put COVID vaccine here, but like influenza, like flu shot and COVID vaccines are now available for six months to 17 years. So since Dr. Ajayi wants me to mention some common childhood diseases in Canada, I'll just make, like it's, if I say common childhood diseases, depend on where you are. Like this will not make the list in Africa. Like malaria will be number one. Um, I'll say in here, what I see most is viral infection. And I'm very sure you guys are tired. Every time you go to your Jeep, it's Vara. This is Vara. It's very common. <laughs> this is where we are. In Canada, like, Vara infection can cause uh, respiratory symptoms. So, like, you have your child having cough, some uh, nasal congestion and all that. It can cause vomiting and diarrhea. It can cause so many things. So it's quite common. And... Um, most times, the thing with viral infection is that it's not bacteria, so you do not need antibiotics. And at the end of the day, they just say you need supportive management, which means that whatever, uh, maybe is, is, if the child is not drinking okay, you, you give the child water and all that. Asthma, eczema, abdominal pain, and all these things, that are common disorders. I'm not going to go into it because I want you to have time to answer your questions and some other things. So, but I want to touch base about fever. It's one of the commonest symptoms of some of these things. So, fever, uh, how do you know that you have the right, you know, measurement? People say, oh, my child had fever. I said, oh, I, I think he or she felt warm. Uh -uh. So, in terms of, uh, if you get a digital thermometer like this, I think it's best than the there's one they use for the forehead. That's not accurate. Uh, so from birth to two years, from birth to five years, to make it easy for you, just use the armpit. Just use that. And older than four, five years, it's better to use, put it in the uh, mount. So it depends on where you use and, and anything outside of this temperature, it's abnormal. Um, when do you worry if your child has a fever? If you have a child that's less than six months, don't start giving Tylenol, I think it's better. Go check it out. Why? Because fever is telling me that something is wrong. It's not necessarily say it's not a disorder. So, but the younger the child, the, you know, you want to be careful. So, if it's less than six months, I usually recommend, you know, seeing somebody, making sure that they look at that child that there's nothing you're missing. And even if your child is more than six months, if he's going on for three days and you're not sure, maybe that's the time to seek medical attention. Um, also, if the child is very irritable, cranky, not sleeping, lethargic, or like child is not responding, it's also time to seek medical attention. Um, or if you have a rash with your, your fever, that's, those are things to worry about. But in the interim, if, you know, what do you do? Make sure the child, you know, body is cool. Removing excessive clothing. Don't necessarily, you know, 
let the child become naked, no, just, remove, just light clothing is fine. Um, plenty of fluids, even if they're not taking solid food, some of them will still take uh, things like, you know, um, maybe if, uh, water or even jelly and all that. Uh, in terms of medication, I usually recommend, start with Tylenol, don't go to Advil right away. Tylenol is better, um, use Tylenol, use the, um, the recommendation on the bottle, you can use every four to six hours as needed. Advil, not for kids, less than six months. But if you have to give it for all your kids, make sure they're drinking well and give it with food. Aspirin, I don't, it's not recommended you give it to them because it can damage their liver. So one or two things before I take questions. So just important tips to keep in mind, it's good to have a family doctor for all regular checkup. Don't wait till you're sick and then you're going to a working clinic. Just because if you have a family doctor, you have a history, like, you know, you can, oh, this was this child when the child was one year, now this is this child right now. So it's good. Um, and they can easily detect medical problems when your child is sick. Um, and if your family doctor has referred you to specialists or allied professionals, please try and attend. I know sometimes, oh, the child is fine. No. There's a reason, it's go try and attend. And if you can't attend that appointment, it's good for you to call ahead and, and maybe say, oh, I, I can't make it. And just, you know, just tell them where you can make it. Um, other things, sometimes people say, oh, I was referred uh, six months ago. I didn't hear from them. Call, tell your family doctor, what's the uh, phone number of that place? Let me know. You've got to advocate for your child. Just call and, you know, oh, someone has referred me here and I've not heard from you. Maybe that's when they, remem you know, they remember you. Oh, maybe we put you on our consultation list. So those are tips for you to know. And even at school, be your child's advocate. Don't wait for the teacher to say, oh, I, have, I, need, I need to have a meeting with you. So, like, you know, give the teachers, give them, you know, work to do. So, oh, I'm just checking up on my child. How's he doing? Like every few weeks, like, you know, I just want to know how he's doing. Fine, in fact, the teacher themselves, they, they, you know, they will be on their toes if you do that. So remember you are your child's advocate. Nobody, even though it's right, you know, there's so many resources right you know, around you, nobody will tell you if you don't, um, if you don't look for it. Um, I think finally I'm gonna talk about this. No, I think there's another slide after this. How do you assess a pediatrician? Because people say, yeah. So provinces is different from provinces. So Saskatchewan, we do not have many pediatricians. And Regina is even sort of worse, I have to say. We, you know, I think at the moment, I've got eight or nine of us are doing community clinics. So you can imagine we served certain Saskatchewan of 250,000. And like eight to nine of us had seen that. So sometimes, so you, you know, because of that, we don't see um, just regular health kids, like compared to Notaro, where they have a lot of pediatricians. So pediatricians, we, they will see healthy, you know, kids do all those developmental assessment. So here in Regina, I think Saskatchewan, we need referral from family doctors. Sometimes nurse practitioners, we make referrals or other specialists like orthopedics and all that uh, from emergency physician as well. 
Um, I thought I'll give you this health website. It's really good. Uh, this Caring for Kids uh, was written by Canadian Pediatric Societies. And if you go there, so many things, like uh, what you do when your child has a fever or car seats, so many questions that you want to ask are there. And this about kids.health is by Kids Toronto. So there's a helpful website for you. I think that's it. I'm going to take questions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Before I go to the questions, say on the internet and also written down, do we have questions in the house? Someone has a question. Mrs., you want to ask about measles? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's a very good question. So, measles uh, is actually uh, caused by a viral infection, a virus. Okay, um, thankfully, we don't have many of that here. And so, with measles, one of the, if I, if you go, if I go back to the routine immunization, so it's one of the things that we you get the immunization for. You know that immunization you get is one of it. So it's a preventive uh, condition. Um, so you can see um, 12 months and um, also 18 months. So you get your measles and um, immunization to prevent you from having measles. But basically, kids that have measles, they sometimes they have um, their eyes will be red. Sometimes they have like chest infection, they are coughing. And sometimes it, they can be very sick, especially if they've not been exposed to it before. I hope I answer your question. Thank you so much. Any other question? Two questions, Ma. Um, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, first question is, what's the reason why the children we have in this part of the world, they have allergies? Like, they, they are not eating eggs, they are not eating certain things, whereas you know that you don't have any history, your spouse doesn't have any of such history, and they are just avoiding all manner of, you know, delicacies, and they are throwing up good food for that matter, <laughs> you know, and they are throwing up. That's one question. Yeah. The second question is, you, I rem you said something like, you know, avoiding certain heavy foods for kids at night, yeah. whereas sometimes you want to give it to them so that they can knock off, <laughs> right? So, how can you, how do you manage that? Because sometimes they are just, if you give them something light, it's not, it's not getting there till you pump some okay. swallows. Okay. You know, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Very good questions. You know, it's not only you. That question about allergy, not just you, um, not just like Africans. I get that question from, you know, some Asians and all that. So, two things. So, first of all, back at home, when um, they give you almost everything, like, you know, uh, granules and all those things, they give you early. So, there was that question, like medical, like they started with, oh, don't give kids all those um, allergy food early. So, the delay introduction of those food 
has made um, the risk of being allergic to those food to be very high. Also, um, Saskatchewan, apart from food allergy, in terms of allergies, it, the environment is like very <laughs> allergenic. So uh, even people that didn't have asthma before, when they come here, sometimes they have asthma, they have eczema. But that food allergy is more, it's because it's a, it's a combined um, fact, it's not just genetic alone. So there's environmental and everything with it. So, um, I think it's because of where we are and what's been happening. Uh, we're not, like I've seen, I'm sorry, I've seen some of our people, like I said, what are you giving your child? Like, oh, I'm giving the job. Like, like, are you not giving Amala and all those things? Like, give him like a way to and put, you know, all those fish inside. So sometimes we are the ones, you know, causing that. So. Early, as early as possible, from six months, like close to six months, start giving them all those things. The only thing we recommend is that don't give um, them all those food at the same time. Wait for two days before you introduce the other food so that if there's any allergy at all, you'll be able to know. Second question you said, oh, the, the, uh, the Amala. Yeah, I agree. But give it to them, like, at least, <sighs> when is your supper like give it to them like six like seven like even if they're going to go to bed like you know nine it's between six six thirty and later seven just don't give it to them you said what <laughs> i hear you so don't give it to them like 30 minutes before they go to bed you know so that's it yeah you can still give it to them before I take a question in the house, I will read out a question from those that have written down their question. I'm going to put these questions together because yeah. they are under the same topic, yeah. so you can address it once. Um, does childhood immunization causes autism and ADHD? That's one. Then the second one is, why do we have cases of autism so increased in children nowadays? Are there chemicals causing this? Why do we have what? Cases of autism. autism. Okay. We have increase in incidence mm -hmm. and prevalence. Mm -hmm. And is this because of chemicals? Mm -hmm. Then the third one is what should pregnant women avoid to prevent autism or Down syndrome in their babies? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Every question. They are very, very um, yeah, genuine questions. So the first one, I'll take that first one. It's just try to immunization cause autism and ADHD. So I would say no. I know that, especially like uh, the autism part, I, I know. So the thing is that autism is a developmental disorder, which means that as a child develop, then you notice, you know, these symptoms. Because if you see, they don't start talking until they are one year of age. And by the time they are two months, uh, 18 months, that's when they are combining words. Those are the time. If I go back to the immunization, um, if you go back to the immunization thing, at 12 months and 18 months, they have this immunization thing, and at the same time, that's when they start progressing their talking. So there was that initial link years ago that somebody has said that um, maybe the MMR, which of the, one of the vaccines is the one causing autism. But actually, that, they would do that paper away because they, they did a lot of studies after that that proved it wrong. So it does not cause autism or ADHD, no. The other one is, um, 
why we have increased and autism increased privilege increased uh, yeah. cases of autism you know like autism it's a um, multifactorial so it's like genetic not just genetic uh, environmental and we still don't have a definite answer why we have it but dietary is part of it so I won't say that definite, there's a dietary thing, but the dietary is part of it. So all these diets and all this food, like all this food that we eat here, all this, you know, some of them are, you know, all those um, cans, all those cans that we get. So, and that's why we, I'm, I'm emphasizing healthy eating. I'm not saying it's not one single thing, but dietary is one of the things. So, um, but we are seeing increased risk of autism uh, just in the last few decades, and we look into it, we, it's not necessarily because of the food alone. But that's another thing. You know, we can do our part. Your part is to give your child healthy, healthy food, do all these things, and to pray for your child. And then, you know, you hope for the best. And when things happen, then make use of the resources. So I've seen people that have been diagnosed with autism, and I know people say it's a lifelong, but but like maybe in another few years and the child is functioning very well. So don't like ignore those symptoms and say, no, I don't want my child to be labored. But the earlier, the better. If there's anything wrong, the earlier, the better. Um, the earlier the intervention, the better. What's the other one? And what pregnant women can do to avoid autism and Down syndrome? Ah. <laughs> so Down syndrome. <laughs> I'm not there. So Down syndrome, um, I guess I'm not an obstetrician, but I can tell you that initially they said that um, it's, there's increased risk when you, with advanced maternal age. But now we're actually seeing it in younger, like, you know, women, like in, in their 30s. So um, there's nothing. Just eat healthy. For autism, eat healthy. For allergy, it's all sort of, I can say that if you don't want your child to have allergy, food allergy later in life, I'm going to come back to my brother's question. Eat everything, eat all the allergenic food, peanuts and everything when you are pregnant. Also, yeah, so it's because it's been helpful that people that have avoided all those things end up, you know, having um, food allergy. Also, breastfeeding your child actually reduces food allergy and allergy. Thank you. Question from the house. Thank you very much, Ma. I'll just go back to the question of the allergy. What yeah. is the actual definition for allergy? Because I think um, some of us are confusing it with allergy and um, side effects. And what? And side effects. What is the difference between those? Because uh, we're saying allergy. Some people are eating those food and they're throwing up. That might not be allergy. So what is the definition of allergy in comparison to side effects? Okay. So. There's no definition of allergy, but it depends on what you're. So, are you saying food allergy? So, there's food allergy, there's seasonal allergy, there's query drug allergy. So, all the ones I was talking about, I was talking about like maybe food allergy. And in terms of food allergy, um, sometimes I know what you're talking about. Like, in terms of food allergy, Sometimes it might not necessarily be that that child is allergic to food. So for you to be allergic to the food, the child has to, if you give the food, like assume you give egg, within 30 minutes, that child needs to react. Either with a rash, some of them, we um, have some breathing difficulties. Some of them, we 
start vomiting immediately. So it's not like, oh, I had something today and tomorrow I'm getting some of these symptoms, no. So um, true allergy, yeah, it's, and I know some people that will have true allergy, especially peanut allergy, some of them have anaphylactic reaction. And um, we do have Africans, like kids that have a habit and, but it's not everything. There's what we call intolerance, where they just don't tolerate it. So like sometimes some people, if they take too much milk, they just don't tolerate that. So I wouldn't say it's allergy. So if you know, they, you just need to give that in small quantity in, instead of big. It's like your child is taking a lot of chocolate milk and you know, eventually you can have some unwanted side effects. So um, I don't know if I answer your question. Thank you. Take another question from those that I have with me. Um, my seven-year-old has been complaining of stomach ache and sometimes he vomits. Mm -hmm. We have been to our family doctor who asked we do the H. pylori test. Mm -hmm. We did and it came back negative. The stomach ache, however, is now intermittent. Mm -hmm. We went back to our doctor and my son was placed on H2 blocker. He has been on the medication for about a week now and still complain. Is there a more definitive test that can be done? Yeah. Okay. So another thing I'm not going to do tonight, I'm going to be careful and not be very, you know, that's a very like specific question because I don't want you to sort of quote me, you know, for that kind of a child needs more assessment. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, this is a test. Um, I think if she's worried, she should go back to her family doctor to refer her to specialists. Or can I say if the person can wait and hang around and have a short discussion with you, is that okay? Just a brief one. It's okay, but I'm careful not to give advice just like that. Um, because there's so many reasons a child can have having pain and vomiting, you know, you, there's H. pylori, which you could think is reflux, there's so many other things. So it's more like an office. If that person wants to, what I can do, if the person wants to tell the family doctor to refer to me, and then I know the person's name, I, I can book early, because I'm booking till April. So that's what I can do. Is Thank that, you, ma. Yeah. <laughs> April, yeah, it's my, um, it's not, <laughs> Honestly, it's not my, it's not my, we're just stretched thin. We're like stretched thin because I work at the hospital like a week in, in the month and I'm also, so it's not my fault. But I will, I will see that person within four weeks. Um, thank you. I just have a question yeah. because I... It's something that I don't totally agree with is about um, saying a child is allergic to milk. And then a pharmacist said, no, usually humans are not allergic to milk. They might just be passing gas. It does not necessarily mean they are allergic to milk. And most um, people that I've seen, once they say, oh, my child is allergic to milk, they stop giving them milk. Is that healthy enough? Because I know that at a certain stage, they still need, need to take that milk. So it depends on the age. Age group, age. Um, maybe two years, two maybe years. 
Yes. One, so, two years. Okay. Yeah. So I hear you. So for you to be allergic to milk, that means when you take milk immediately, you have those symptoms that I described. You have uh, immediate rash. You have um, what else? So like those respiratory symptoms. So those are really, really milk allergy. But sometimes it could be intolerance. So how, like if, it, if if it's a two-year-old, I don't expect you to give more than 500 mils. You need your vitamin D, you need your calcium. Now, one of the things I didn't say is vitamin D. Everybody, all of us need vitamin D. I know that mine, we say that we have dark skin, we don't need vitamin D. But because we have dark skin, it's difficult for the sun to actually penetrate her skin. And we live here in Saskatchewan until we go back to Nigeria. Every one of us from zero to how many years, we need vitamin D supplement because we don't get enough from the milk. So that's another, I mean, if you had come to my office, I usually hand over vitamin D supplement. So I do agree with you, not necessarily. So your child needs, if you can't, um, at two years of age, if you can't, um, if you think your child does not like milk, you can reduce the milk and make sure you give yogurt and some other things that has vitamin D and calcium. But irrespective of what you are getting, vitamin D is important. If you are exclusive breastfeeding, it's 800. If you are formula feed, it's 400. And from one year of age above, at least 800 to 1,000 once a day. Okay, this is another question. Why do most black Nigerian kids in Canada have rashes and eczema? What do you recommend for eczema? What body cream and soap? Mm -hmm. And do we need referral to see you? Well, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. So I know, like, like I said, the environment here is so bad. I'm telling you. It's really eczema and the rash. I see a lot of uh, eczema kids. And the thing is that they don't, not every doctor will understand how to treat our skin. Like, uh, eczema looks different on us than it looks on white skin. So, um, one thing I can tell you about eczema in terms of preventive, make sure that if you feel your child is sensitive, has sensitive skin, don't use all those dove and all that. Try and use things like avino wash, something that's non-scented. Um, use that get some of this glass of base or moisturizer, moisturize, 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 like three, four times a day. Because I found out that when your skin is dry, you're like, likely to attract all those deaths and your skin will be, you know, uh, like a lot of dermatitis. So your skincare can actually prevent, um, can prevent you, not necessarily getting um, eczema, but you're getting the bad one. Fine, if you need to, if, if I need to see, I need a referral. I need a referral to, for anybody to get into my office if I've not been seeing them for the same reason. Because another thing is sometimes I see, you know, pediatrician will see your child for one thing, maybe asthma. Don't assume that later in the future the, that person has a headache and just get into, you need another referral. Because that's the way we, we get our, you know, we get to see People, other people that are sick, so we don't keep them in their system. We're like, okay, now you're good, go back to your family doctor. I want to take this because it's from online. What is the cost of some women unable to produce breast milk? 
is the saying true that a child that does not take breast milk would not be intelligent on that or that such a child will not do well in academics? <laughs> okay, not necessarily. So, <laughs> so breast milk, I don't know, for so many reasons, I'll say that um, when I say, I think everybody, God has given all of us the ability as women to produce breast milk. But some, some people are more talented. They're like, you know, they're like tap. They could feed like three babies. And some of us, like we had to like squeeze, 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 squeeze. So I'm not sure how that works. So even for me, I can give you an example. I did, I wanted to breastfeed, exclusive breastfeed my kids for six months. But I think towards four or five months, I didn't, you know, have enough breast milk. And I decided, like I, I supplemented. There's no harm in sometimes when you can breastfeed to supplement. The only reason here in the developed world why contraindication for breastfeeding is HIV. Every other thing you can breastfeed. Um, so sometimes um, you can actually, if you are not having enough breast milk, there's actually a medication you can take that I give my you know, moms that will help them to breastfeed. But at the same time, I don't want them to, like, there's this guilt trip that the child is almost dying, like, weight is low, and they don't want to, like, no, I, they want to use formula. No, the thing is that using the formula is not going to cost, yeah, I mean, I'm very sure there are so many people here that use formula and they're, they're okay. But, you know, it's just saying that breast milk is the best, but not necessarily that if you need to use formula. Try your best to breastfeed. If there's any reason you can't, go ahead and just use don't go I'm mean, using lactose-free formula and all those formulas that's not iron fortified. There's some formulas that they said closest to breast milk, like Good Start and all those things. I don't, I'm not campaigning for form formula, but don't, I don't like, I've seen people crying, weeping, and the child is, looks very, very sick. I'm like, no, you have to take care of this child first. And the more they, like your breast milk sometimes, depend on your mental health. Like if you are stressed, if you are not sleeping, you're not gonna produce breast milk. Your hormones is gonna be shut off. So I would say like, you know, when you're stressed, anxiety, they don't have hope, you know. We are here, sometimes we don't have, not everybody has the <laughs> uh, gift of having a mom here and all that. So sometimes it's stress. So um, addressing that can help. We have to come to the end of everything because of the time. Okay. Sorry. Um, Dr. Shotomi, thank you very much. You're welcome. We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at RCCGPPPSK, on Instagram and Twitter at RCCGPPP. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.